Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's over there. So that makes this Stuff You Should Know. Amazing Animal Edition. Yes, a special request fulfilled Animal Edition. Yeah, we should tell the story, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) There's no way we could not tell the story because it's the cutest thing that's happened in a long time. It really is. Um, So we did a show in Vancouver on uh, September something, right? Yeah, in real time, it was last week for us. We usually don't turn stuff around this fast. Right, exactly. Um, And a lot of times uh, we'll do Q&A after a show because we're like, the podcast isn't enough. We owe people more than that. So we'll do a QA, and a right? That's right. And... The last question uh, of the of the night was this cute little girl, just adorable. And her name was Mika, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. And Mika had a special request, Chuck. And what was it? Well, it kind of went down like this. Mika's dad walks her up to the microphone. Uh, everyone turns their attention to this uh, adorable six-year-old. And in front of, oh, what was it, like 1,000, 1,200 people, she yes. said, can you do a podcast? On giraffes <laughs> and twelve hundred hearts melted. Yep. And uh, immediately, like afterward, you and I were like, "Well, we're doing this as soon as we get back." Yeah, that's right. And this, this is where we're at. We did it. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, Mika. You are not alone because uh, giraffes are amazing, as you will see mm-hmm. in, in greater detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are not alone among your peers because I got to tell you, as the father of a two-year-old daughter. Uh, and Jerry, as the mom of a two-year-old, mm-hmm. they're all obsessed with giraffes. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you, me, and I started our niece Mila actually off on giraffes pretty early. Yeah, and, and like there's there's some of the most adorable stuffed animals or toys around too. Sure. So I mean, it's understandable how it would stick in a kid's craw like that. Well, yeah, I mean, they look uh, nothing like things that they've seen, yet enough like things they've seen. I think at that age. To where they think, well, I've seen a horse or a horse or I've seen a zebra, but this is uh, I've seen a camel even. And those things look a little weird. But then a giraffe comes along and small minds are blown. They are blown so much that I suspect that there are giraffes in the little angel holding bay where babies <laughs> stay before they come down here to Earth. And yes, yeah, so when I say small minds, it's not to say children are small minded. No, no. Like They're maybe just... literally small-minded, but right. not in the figurative adult sense. Physiologically speaking. <laughs> there you go. All right. So everybody knows what giraffes are. You can point to a picture of a giraffe and say, what is this? And the person will say, it's a giraffe. It's <laughs> a pretty common thing to do. Uh-huh. Maybe the arguably the best Charlie Harper illustration of all time is the mother and baby giraffe snuggling. I Have don't know that what one? that is. You, you look it up. I'll okay. send it to you. You're going to love it. It's just adorable. Um so everyone's quite familiar with giraffes, but giraffes are one of those animals that we found from our research are just taken for granted. Yeah. Like Weirdly. everyone's like, everyone's like, look at those things. They're amazing. But let's just leave it at that. Apparently it was how science approached giraffes for millennia, basically. Yeah. In fact, uh, these evolutionary wonders and boy, aren't they mm-hmm. like in every sense of the word, uh, for many, many millennia, human dum-dums 
referred to these animals as camel leopards. Right. <laughs> With a, a tidy little hyphen in between the two to really show that they had clearly a camel and a leopard had gotten it on at some point. Right. <laughs> and created the giraffe. Yeah, which, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense. They are sort of camel-like with their necks and their uh, kind of long legs and, and hooves. Mm-hmm. But then also you look at a giraffe's uh, coat and that amazing leopard-like pattern. So it sort of makes sense that, that human dum-dums would say stuff like that. Right, because they didn't understand evolution. And even like Mr. Evolution himself, Charles Darwin, was like, I'm not even getting into the giraffe for a while, right? The, the giraffe debate. Yeah. So he, he, um, he started wading into where the giraffe got its neck because by the time Darwin came along, they'd said, okay, we're, they're not camel leopards. We know that much. All right. Everybody stop making fun of us. Right. Um, but also let's give it a scientific name, giraffe camelopardalis. Yeah. Which is a nod to the dum dums of yore. That's right. Right. So by the time Darwin got in on on this, he had written on the origin of the species. Um, but it was the sixth edition before the giraffe makes an appearance in it. Yeah, I'm sure Mika has already read that. Sure. She yeah, that's where that's why she was asking. She was hoping we could expound <laughs> on that. That's right. So um Darwin suggested that potentially the giraffe's neck evolved because in times of drought or famine where other animals were starving and dropping like flies, the giraffe's neck gave it an advantage to reach leaves on trees that other animals couldn't. So it was quite quite literally rising above the competition, natural selection-wise, right? Yeah, and that, that's got to be it, right? Well, one of the reasons that, or one of the issues that's raised against it is that giraffes still feed at the same level of, as other animals, like a pretty significant amount of the time. Well, they're just greedy. I guess so. <laughs> they're like, some for me, and I'll have some of yours too. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any other reason. It makes complete sense. Well, there's another guy, uh, Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, uh-huh. who who was he, pretty credible as far as old-timey scientists go. Um, and Lamarck said, I think they're an antelope that just stretched its neck further and further and further. Yeah. And he lost all credibility. Yeah, then. I think so. But that's, there's still, they're, they're not entirely certain what precisely it is that gave the giraffe its neck. Um, because you don't, you don't see that elsewhere in nature. It's not an adaptation that, that is pretty common, like eyes or hearing right. or flight. It's its own thing um, in a lot of ways. But there are some other long neck animals like swans or something like that. But giraffes are mammals. And aside from that really long neck and a couple of other things that they've had to um, change uh, or adapt to because of their long neck and other features, um, they're they're nothing like other long necked animals. Yeah, that's right. And the long neck club, they stand alone. Exactly. Uh, All right. So let's start. Let's start with classification and taxonomy and that kind of thing, because that's, you know, that sort of lays the groundwork for what we're talking about here. Right. Uh, technically speaking, giraffes are what you would call an even-toed ungulate, mm-hmm. which is kind of a fancy way of saying they have uh, just two weight-bearing hooves on each foot, like a camel. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Not about- a leopard, though. No, no. Uh, a leopard with hooves would not be much of a leopard. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, and they are in an order called, uh, Arteo 
dactyla, uh, and that does include the antelope, to be fair, um, but also includes things like uh, sheep and um, moose and hippos. Cows. Cows. Pigs, a little weirdly, but maybe not, because they have the little hooves. Sure. Uh, what else? Well, they're, so their family is Giraffidae, and in the Giraffidae family, there's two genera, right? Yes. There's the uh, Giraffa genus and the Ocopia genus, and they they split, they think now, about 11 million years ago. And still today, you can walk around in Africa and find the Ocopi, but the Ocopi looks way more like it's related to a horse or a zebra than it does to a giraffe, right? Yeah, did you see those things? Yeah, I've seen them before. They're they're pretty neat. They're like um, chocolate colored uh-huh. with like zebra striped legs. Yeah, it literally looks like it's an animal that said, I don't know what I want to be. I like you guys. I like you guys. So I really would just like to sort of be both of you. Right. It's a social butterfly. Yeah, it's a very pretty animal. And then over in the giraffe genus, they, um, they, there's basically one species as far as anyone's concerned. So like any giraffe you ever see, even if it looks different from all the other giraffes you see, it was the species, um, giraffe camela pardalis, like you said, right? Yes. Um, but there's a 2016 study that was carried out by the Giraffe Conservation Foundation and it was published in the, um, journal Current Biology. And they said, you know, all these little subspecies that we've been saying are actually the same species of giraffes. There's just variations. They're actually different species. There's four giraffe species. Yeah, but that's not the, like that study was just last year. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying that that's not the case. So, uh. Oh, is that right? Well, isn't that what it says? It said, uh. Well, I think it's more like the, the wheels of biological science as the f- academic field moves slowly. Okay. So their, their findings are supposedly legitimate. But they're just not saying, they didn't put the stamp of authenticity on it. Not yet. Okay. They probably will in the future, but they're like, just, just give us some time. We just made some tea. <laughs> as scientists are one to do. Sure. Uh, so let's, do you want to take a break? Oh, sure. All right. We'll take a break and crane our necks up and get some, some food to sustain ourselves and then talk a little bit about these awesome, awesome necks right after this. Okay, Chuck. So there was not a lot of study in the field of giraffes. Everybody was just like, that's neat. Giraffes are cool. Let's just leave it at that. Especially in the field specifically, like out in their natural habitat, they weren't studied. Um, killed by poachers, but not necessarily studied, right? Yeah. So most of the understanding we had of giraffes was of captive giraffes that were being held hostage in zoos, right? Mm-hmm. But from those, we got like a pretty decent amount of at least anatomical understanding of them. Yeah, and I mean, you just have to add this to the list of the jellyfish and the mm-hmm. octopus. Um, what, bats? What else are we forgetting? Oh, man, there was one other one that we out. did. We did one recently. I guess frogs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like all, any, all animals. Yeah, any animal we cover, we find fascinating. You notice we haven't done one on the common house cat. No. <laughs> we probably should, though, because I'm... I'm a cat lover. 
I feel like that would be like doing an episode on gamers, like just inviting <laughs> trouble. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I love cats. Of course I do. Uh, but I just don't know that it's like in the same category as an octopus. Right. When it comes to amazement and, and astonishment. That's true. You know, although we did speak about them for a while in uh, the what was it? Domestic animals episode. Did we? Yeah, I think so. We spoke on, and of course, toxoplasmosis. Oh, yeah. Reared its ugly head. Yeah. Uh, all right. Mika's like, get back to it, guys. <laughs> I don't really care about that it's stuff. Like I hate cats. <laughs> uh, so they are the tallest uh, living animal in the world. And it says in here, and this has kind of reminded me of something, that a giraffe can look in a second-story window. Yeah. And um, I just saw recently, I had no idea this existed, but Giraffe Manor in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. There are, this is a hotel and it is a, uh, it's a, what do you call it? Not a, I mean, they work with conservation, but, um, an eco lodge. Well, I guess it's that too, but it's, uh, I can't think of the right name, but what it is, it's a, it's a hotel and they work to help, uh, giraffes that are in trouble and help to reintroduce oh. troubled giraffes into the wild. It's like a home for juvenile delinquent giraffes. Yeah. And like a rehabilitation center. Um, and I just saw this for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and there are pictures of people dining and eating in a second-story window and giraffes sticking their heads right through them and eating fruit off a plate <laughs> and people just thinking, I'm getting cheated out on my breakfast, and it's the best time I can remember that happening. Yeah. Uh, so it's amazing, and now I want to uh, – like I think Emily and I are going to try and go on a safari. So are like you We're gonna... dying to go on a safari. I just need to find out. A good one that's like ecologically sound and mm -hmm. I don't know anything about safari. So I don't know if they're like bad or they're good or if they're good ones <laughs> and bad ones. But I'm going to I'm going to check it out. And we're definitely going to go stay in that hotel. The first question I think you want to ask of a safari operator is do you use cattle prods? Yeah. That's a big do stuff one. Like that. Oh, I'm sure some people do for sure. Yeah. And hey, if anyone knows of like a really uh, sustainable, well, uh, well done Safari, let me know. Sure. We're in the market. So, uh, what is it called? Giraffe Manor? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they can, um, it, it, they, they are just super tall. And the reason why they're super tall are, there's two reasons. One is obviously their neck. Their neck alone is like six feet long, right? Yes. And there, again, there are other long necked animals out there in nature, like swans, but mammal or, uh, giraffes are mammals. And they have the same number of cervical vertebrae um, that other mammals do. They're just really big cervical vertebrae, right? So each vertebra um, of a giraffe's neck is about 11 inches in length. That's crazy. And there's seven of them. And you put them all together and you got about a six foot long neck. Yes. But they also have really long legs, too, that are also about six feet long. Yeah. So six foot long legs, six foot long neck. Right. And you have giraffes, female, because they still have other body parts. Females can grow up to 14 feet, weigh about 1,500 pounds. And males can grow up to 18 feet tall mm -hmm. and weigh about 3,000 pounds. Yeah. For males, it's like five and a half meters tall and 1,360 kilograms. So That's they're big. Amazing. They're big, big animals. But they're also known as like gentle giants, too. Like they're not very violent animals, as we well, we'll see. Well, true. Although... If you're into the sweet giraffe, do not look up uh, videos of male giraffes fighting. 
I know it's disturbing to watch. It's very disturbing, and you just want to think like, oh man, you guys should just always like each other. Yeah, like, why do friends fight? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so part of being tall like this, it presents some amazing evolutionary traits and some challenges uh, that thankfully the giraffe has overcome. They have uh, let's let's talk about their nerve cells. <laughs> if you've got a neck that long, mm-hmm. you're gonna everything is just stretched out. So there, for instance, their recurrent uh, laryngeal nerve, which this activates their larynx, helps them in swallowing because they're gonna need a little help swallowing down that long neck. Mm-hmm. That thing is 15 feet long in itself because it starts in the brain, goes down the neck, and then loops back up to the throat. Right, and we have one of those too, and it's actually pointed to as proof that. It's evolution, not creation, that um, accounts for us because it's just such a poor workaround. Yeah. Um, but it's it's 15 feet long in giraffes. Crazy. Right? So since it's a nerve fiber, um, nerve fibers are made of bundled nerve cells. So that means that if you separated these things, it'd be make, made up of 15-foot-long cells. Yeah, that's nuts. It really is. So is that your fact of the show? There's about 50 of those in here, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so if you've ever been to a uh, a wildlife refuge, that's the word I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, or a zoo, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen a giraffe up close and personal. The the one thing that you will notice, and some, some zoos will even have uh, times of day where you can feed the giraffes, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but the first thing you'll probably notice, aside from their, their neck when they get up face-to-face – is aside from their friendly eyes, is the size of their tongue mm-hmm. when they go licking stuff, and they have a very active tongue. That thing's always moving around. It seems like, <laughs> but these tongues are almost two feet long. They can be twenty-one inches in length. Yes, and not only are they um, they long. They're also prehensile. They have the ability to grasp things, as we'll see later. Right. That's right. So they're they have enormous tongues. They have feet that are about a foot across, about a Crazy. third of a meter across, yeah. right? Um, and their hearts, Chuck. I think this might be the fact of the show for me. Well, then take it. Well, their hearts, if you talk about a giraffe as a, as a big-hearted animal, you can say that in every sense of the word because the heart of a giraffe is two feet long and weighs about 25 pounds, which, yep. Mika, for you, that's 11 kilograms. That's right. So they have this huge heart. And you're like, well, of course they have a huge heart, you dummy. It's a huge animal. Yeah. That's true, but prepare for this. If you did, uh, based on body mass, proportionately a giraffe's organs, like its uh, heart or its lungs that can take in an enormous amount of air at one time. 12 gallons. Right. They're not, they're, they're not, they're, they're average. Yeah. They're, they're just about average in size, right? Mm-hmm. So, the giraffe is actually faced with a, a couple of issues here, right? Sure. If it's if its heart is proportionately speaking normal size, but its neck is way longer than other mammals, it, it has an issue. And its legs are way longer than other animals. It has a secondary issue, right? So you would think, well, it needs a huge heart. And it's again though, its heart is not proportionately up to the task. So there's been other adaptations that the giraffe underwent over time to to allow for it to not say faint when it suddenly lifts its head up after drinking water or for blood not to collect and pool in its legs. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So the way this works is the heart of a giraffe uh, is really, really thick. So it has a very thick wall. And so that means it can pump 
blood at a super high pressure, about five times that of a human heart. Yeah. So that sort of solves that problem. It gets blood going uh, where it needs to go as effectively as possible. And then they have uh, a really tough coat and a tough hide. And the way this article put it is it sort of acts like a compression sock, but around the whole body. So that basically just helps the blood counteract the gravity of pumping all the way up that long neck to the brain. Right, exactly. It keeps it from just like, it keeps it also from collecting or pooling in places it shouldn't. It just keeps everything running smoothly. Yeah, like those big feet. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting stuff, right? Agreed. Um, and you were talking about the coat as well. One thing um, I saw in research is is that the giraffe's coat is unique to the individual, like our fingerprints or iris print is. Yeah. Which I, I hadn't really thought about, which makes total sense, you know. Giraffes are all unique individual little flowers. Snowflakes, if you will. Sure. <laughs> Just good, giant, liberal mammals. <laughs> right. uh, Mika, you can ask your dad about that joke. Yeah. So uh, when you look at a giraffe, you might have think like, well, yeah, giraffes, um, they all just sort of have the – maybe it's unique, but the patterns are all basically the same. Not exactly true. Depending on where the giraffe lives and what they eat, uh, they're going to have a different sort of pattern going on, and then each one is unique unto itself. Right. So in Kenya, the uh, – I'm going to call it a Maasai giraffe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have they have the pattern that look like the oak leaves. Very, very pretty pattern. Right. And then there's um, Uganda giraffes. They have like big, large brown splotches um, with uh, lines, like lighter brown lines separating the splotches. Like a giraffe. That's the one you think of or I think of when I think giraffes. I think of all of them as giraffes. Sure. <laughs> uh, then there's the reticulated giraffe. And this is only in northern Kenya, evidently. Mm-hmm. Uh, these have the darker coat, and it looks like really narrow white lines all over the place. But with all these, it's kind of like, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the spots or the lines in between? Sure, yeah. It's like an optical illusion. Yeah. And, and the whole reason that the giraffe's uh, hide or coat looks like that is because it's it's camouflage. Like, they're so big, there's really no way for them to hide anywhere. So they hide in plain sight by blending in with the trees that they eat. That's right. Uh, there is also, Chuck, I don't know if you saw this or not, but in, in Kenya, again, at the uh, Ishak Bini Hirola Conservancy, mm-hmm. they found uh, two all-white giraffes, head-to-toe, white. I think I've seen those. Um, yeah, I think they kind of became like an Internet hit recently. Yeah. Um, and they say that they're not albino giraffes. There's like a, a lesser um, condition called leucism which really just kind of affects the skin and hair and coat, but not like, say, the eyes or anything like that. Oh, wow. um, but it's really cute. It's a mom and her baby, and, you know, they're they're being watched probably more than other giraffes, so the mom's kind of like, you stay here behind the bushes, okay? Um, I'm going to handle the photographs. <laughs> but it's just cute to watch them. Like, I, I love watching giraffes at all times. At all times? Mm-hmm. Do you have I'm watching. Camp? I'm watching some right now. <laughs> Uh, so giraffe, are they outside of our studio? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. How wonderful would that be? See, you can't see them. They're looking over your shoulder right I now. I know. I have my back to the door. <laughs> uh, so giraffes live in, uh, what are called savannas through sub-Saharan Africa. And, uh, the weather there is semi-arid. They like, um, woodlands that are sort of open that have smatterings of trees and bushes. Uh, and that's really kind of the, the best habitat for giraffes. 
And lastly, Chuck, um, their eyes, right? You said that their eyes are adorable, and that's largely because of the um, their wonderful eyelashes. Mm-hmm. But they also have um, really large eyes, and maybe among the better vision of any land animals, um, they their peripheral vision is so good they can almost see behind them. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And they can see in color. Uh, they can see a long, long way in front of them. And uh, like you said, those wide-angle lens eyeballs, and they're huge, is uh, really handy because giraffes, um, basically lions see giraffes and they think, all right, I know no one likes to see this kind of thing on television <laughs> uh, or on nature shows, mm-hmm. but we have to eat too. And they make for good eating if you're a lion or let's say a crocodile. Right. And that's that's aside from humans, that's basically it. Hyenas prey on um, giraffe calves, but they don't have that many predators. Yeah, well, which is great because but, we need more giraffes. Yeah, and they don't. They also don't have a lot of recourse against predators. They can kick, as we'll see, but they, um, they, they. There's not a lot they can do besides run away. But even when they run, despite their lungs being so big, they don't oxygenate the, their their bodies well enough that they can run for very long distances. So they can run fast in short bursts, but. But being camouflaged and being so huge and high off the ground yeah. that their predators can't actually reach them easily, that's that's really how they survive. Should we take another break? Yeah, let's take one. All right. We'll be right back. All right, so you were talking about giraffes running uh, fast. They can run about 35 miles an hour um, mm-hmm. for our Canadian friends, and and certainly for Mika, that's 56 kilometers. Yeah. And we don't often do those conversions anymore. Well, we don't usually have an episode requested by a cute little <laughs> Canadian. That's correct. Uh, although you could make the argument that all Canadians are cute. Sure. Right? Nice at the very least. So um, have you ever seen a giraffe run in person? I don't know that I have. You know that thing when you start to get older, Chuck, where your brain has been around long enough yeah, yeah. that it can just make up memories sure. uh-huh. and you don't know if you actually experienced it or right. if your brain's like, this is what that person just asked would look like. So just right. go ahead and say yes. That's what I just did. I'm not <laughs> sure if I have or not, but at the very least, I've seen it on TV and can imagine it. Right. So I uh, I know we did it. We did an episode on zoos and uh, whether or not zoos are good or bad. And I sort of Still haven't completely made up my mind on zoos, but I have. Um, I know you have. You're on record. Uh, but I went to the San Diego Zoo when we did a tour show there a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and they have a giraffe habitat, um, a very nice one. And they had some giraffes walking around doing cute stuff, and then one of them out of nowhere took off and started running, and it is, it was the most graceful thing I've probably ever seen in nature that didn't involve wings and flying oh wow it was unbelievable like you can look it up on youtube giraffes running but so they, like like banjo music wouldn't have been appropriate no 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 it's just they just sort of glide man and they're so big and their necks are going uh forward and backward kind of like they're they're cranking it out with their neck 
uh, and then their legs, it just, it, it almost seems like they're not touching the ground. It's not like a, it's a gallop, but it's hard to explain. Like when you see a horse gallop, you feel like they're grabbing that ground mm-hmm. and it's very just strong looking. Uh, but a giraffe just sort of glides. It's for such a big animal. And that might have something to do with the, the optics of it. But um, it's just something to see. Well, they also, the way that they move their legs is kind of peculiar as well. I think when they're running, it's front legs and then back legs and front legs and then back legs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But then when they're moving along at a slower speed, um, they're moving like right side legs, left side legs, right side legs, left side oh, legs. Oh, really? So it's not like one at a time or uh, or it's it's a bizarre way to, to walk around. Interesting. Yet another amazing thing about giraffes. All right, so uh, one of our favorite things are groups of animals, names of groups of animals, like, you know, a murder of crows and where they get these crazy names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and giraffes, I never knew until today, a group of giraffes is called a tower. I didn't know that either. Really neat. So giraffes, it's long been known they're social animals. They live in packs, but again, no, they, they live in towers. They live in towers. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they, they Since they weren't really studied out in the field, everything – that they they noticed about giraffe sociality was basically in zoos and that's an artificial habitat right mm-hmm. so they didn't get to see the real giraffes but now that they've really started to study them out in the field like systematically and really scientifically um they're finding that giraffes are like even more social than than they thought yeah and they're also sort of like uh sort of like a liberal hippie commune um right. a tower can have 10 to 20 members but it's not like a lot of uh, pecks or murders or gaggles where you have um, like, well, the women and the children are here and the men do this. It's sort of anything goes. There can be mixed genders. Uh, they can be young and old. Members can come and go as they please. They don't necessarily stick together for life. It just seems like sort of a loose arrangement where giraffes will be like, all right, well, I'm cool to hang out with you guys for a little while. Right, exactly. And they, the, the other thing that struck me too was that giraffe towers don't have territories, which I, I don't, I can't think of any other mammals off the top of my head that don't protect their turf. Yeah. So apparently when giraffes do, um, fight, male giraffes do fight, it's strictly over, uh, re- access to the, um, the ladies. Oh, well. But that's it. It's not like, Hey, get out of here. This is my acacia tree. Right. You know? Uh, true. I just think that's neat. There's no territories. It's like, go wherever you want, man. Yeah. Very chill. Uh, this is one of the other big facts of the show for me. So giraffes, one of their evolutionary adaptations is because it, they are so vulnerable to attack because they eat like, what, 16 to 20 hours a day. Yeah. And they're just hanging out, eating, trying to all get along. Lions are nearby. So they, they don't sleep for hours at a time. Because they're so uh, vulnerable to attack. So they mm-hmm. sleep. They only sleep about 5 to 30 minutes a day. Yep. In a 24-hour period. And sometimes those are like, all right, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to take a one-minute nap uh, standing up. Right. Or and- maybe, boy, I'm super tired. I need to lay down for six minutes. <laughs> and so just Google a picture of giraffe sleeping on the ground <laughs> and you will see – a giraffe curled up with its long neck kind of craning back towards this rump with his little head on its butt. Like a swan. Yeah, it's just adorable. Yeah. 
my, uh, Momo, my dog, she takes naps like a giraffe with her head up or like a, like a really old person. Uh huh. Or she, like she starts to like <laughs> nod off and then like lifts her head up. It's yeah. really, it's cute to see. Yeah. So, you know, a giraffe basically has to stay awake to keep uh, an eye out for predators. Um, and they don't have a voice either. They're one of the quietest mammals in nature. Yeah, a lot of people think uh, or thought for a very long time that giraffes just didn't make sounds because it's so rare to hear them make a sound. But again, further studies found that they do make sounds. Uh, they just very infrequently do. And they also think that potentially giraffes communicate to one another over long distances at um, subsonic frequencies that, that humans just can't hear. Right. So they may be, you know, humming. And there's actually, uh, there's a... a recording of a, a giraffe humming to itself in the dark uh, in a zoo. Wow. It's really sweet to hear, but if you think of a giraffe by itself in the dark in a zoo and it's humming, it makes you wonder why it's humming like that. Yeah, I mean, if you're around a giraffe, what you might hear, if you're lucky, is like a snort or maybe a hiss or a grunt. Mm-hmm. Probably won't hear any roaring or mooing, although they can do that. But the idea I've got is that that they just don't care to talk to people much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, one thing with the snort in particular, if you do hear a giraffe snort, it means that it's spooked and it's it's saying, oh, my gosh, basically, as it's running away. But it's also alerting its fellow giraffes as well. And apparently giraffes are easily spooked enough that they're kind of like an early warning signal for the other animals on the savanna. Yeah. That they've spotted a lion. So they're, they're easily spooked, but they also can see really, really well over very long distances. And because of that height advantage, they can see even further. So if a giraffe starts running, the other animals are like, I'm out too. Well, yeah. And not only that, and this is so cool. I love it when animals work together like that, but it goes even deeper. Uh, if you look up tick bird on giraffe, just mm-hmm. Google that stuff. You're going to see a giraffe hanging out with these little birds all over its back and neck. And they're buddies. They have a symbiotic relationship. And what happens is the tick bird, uh, or it's called an ox pecker because they, they do this on other animals as well. Mm-hmm. But they basically sit on top of these animals and they eat bugs in the coat. Uh, they kind of pick their nits and they warn the giraffe. Like they might see a lion and make their noise. I don't know what it sounds like. All right. They'll do that. And then the giraffe in turn snorts and takes off. So in a sense, the tick bird is sort of warning everyone on the savanna that the lion is coming around. Poor lions. They get such a bad rap. Yeah. I, yeah. But, but they got to eat, you know, no, it's, it's just true. It's just one of those things. It's the circle of life. It is. Nobody likes seeing a lion chowing down on an antelope or running after a family of, of antelopes. Right. They like to see lions and alligators or crocodiles fight each other. Yeah. Because then it's a fair fight. Sure. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, but we did talk about the, the giraffes fighting each other for the ladies, uh, and they do this with uh, those ossicones. You know, when you look, I guess you you know might want to call them horns, but they're called ossicones. The two, and it's not always two. Don't they have more than that sometimes? So, no, they'll have two ossicones, but then they get these calcium deposits oh, okay. to, to protect against the headbutts, and it looks like they have more horns. Like you're kind of showing off at that point. Yeah, you really went a little far with the horns, man. Yeah. Um, so... They, as, as the giraffe matures too, like they'll have that little kind of tufted 
hair, patch of hair at the top, and that starts to fade a little bit as the, it's replaced by the calcium deposits. Yeah. The, the neck gets strong and upright and everything. And apparently young giraffes become, um, young male giraffes become young men like giraffes yeah. as they're growing up by emulating their, the, the giraffes that they see in real life. Yeah. Um, and they'll act like they're tough or whatever and go like, you know, pull, pull the girl's hair or something like that. And then when they're the, um, actual like adult male giraffes, uh, the bulls are what they called come around. The kids just suddenly just go back to being little kids, like nothing, nothing. I wasn't right. doing anything, <laughs> but they're almost practice at first by yeah. emulating their, their grownups. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, like you said, the the males are called bulls. The females are called cows. Uh, calves are what they they have when they make a little baby. Right. Uh, and when they mate, the the cow has a gestation period of about fourteen months. And then um, you can look up on YouTube and see a video of a, of a calf being born. Yeah. And it is something else to see because a six foot tall, one hundred and fifty pound giraffe, which is tiny by their mm-hmm. standards, will kind of be pooped out of the back of the mom giraffe mm-hmm. while the mom's just standing there. It'll flump and fall on the ground like a little lump, uh, which is all cute and sort of amazing looking. And then like a bunch of really other gross stuff comes out. <laughs> right. That's that's what you need to be just aware of if you watch this video. You can just stop it there is what I re- would recommend. But right. there's a, there's a lot of afterbirth. There's one thing you know when you're a young giraffe is don't look up. Yeah. <laughs> Never look up. Yeah, and while you're on YouTube, go look at uh, baby giraffe uh, learning to stand and walk because it's amazing. They do it really quickly, about an hour later. But um, as with any mammal's first steps, it's it's one of the most adorable things you can witness. It's a little shaky. A little shaky. Yeah, but instead of taking you know months or you know however long it takes for for human babies to learn to walk. Like an hour is all it takes. And one reason, probably the reason why giraffes can walk that quickly after being born is because they are huge targets for predators out on the savanna. Yeah, it's like super sad. Uh, only about one in four infant giraffes survive that first year. Yeah. Oof. Which is a, I mean, that's a, that's a big milestone in a giraffe's life. I would say so. Cause you made it to, to the, your first year. And after that, you're starting to grow. To the, to the point where I think by age three to six, they're fully mature. Yeah. So if you make it to your first year, you're, you're going to be able to survive probably longer and longer. Your chances of survival increase tremendously just because of the size, the size you're getting to. Yeah. But making it to that first year is very tough. And it's at the first year also that they wean. They, I think they nurse for like the first year and then start eating leaves after that. Yeah. And, um, so, for many years, they thought that uh, mama giraffes might be a little cold-hearted because a lot of times they would see the mama giraffe leave the calf behind for this very vulnerable young calf for extended periods. Uh, but what they now think, thankfully, is that the mama giraffes are just – they're not neglected at all. They're really social, uh, and they're going out to look for food and stuff, and the job of the baby calf – is to just lay down sometimes for a whole day and be as quiet as possible until mama returns and mama will return. Right. But that seems to me is, um, 
that's probably one of the reasons why the mortality rate is so high among giraffe calves is that they're tiny, their mothers leave them, and they just are expected to lay there quietly on the savanna until they return a day later. Yeah, but they do. Like the other, I mean, the the only other thing they could do is walk around with mom, which makes them more vulnerable. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. You know? Yeah. So the mama basically says, you hide here, be quiet. I know you want to run and play, and you might want to snort, but there's bad things out there. Yeah. Uh, they're hungry lions, and so I'll be back. Trust me. Yep. So, um, they, they, like you said, they do come back, but because of that, they, like, I think you said they, the scientists for a long time thought, Psh, what's wrong with giraffe moms? They're the worst of the worst, yeah. right? Um, but they have found again through recent study that no, giraffes actually seem to demonstrate, um, grief, like prolonged grief even, um, when they lose a calf. And there was one, um, mother giraffe who lost a calf to a predator. And stayed at that spot for four days and didn't eat anything and was actually consoled, it appeared, by two other female giraffes who were were friends. Yeah. So they they, um, are not neglectful, cold-hearted. They're not like Joan Crawford's of the animal kingdom. (laughs) No, I told Emily that fact this morning and she literally like started crying. So (laughs) Uh, All right. So we mentioned that they eat plants. Um, That is exclusively giraffes are herbivores, uh, Mika. So that means they only eat plants. They don't Mm -hmm. eat meat. Mm -hmm. And what they really like to chow down on, they eat seeds, they eat fruits and branches and things. But they really love are mimosa trees and especially acacia trees. Mm -hmm. That is what their main meals consist of. Right, and again, they kind of look like these things that they're eating, at least in their camouflage pattern. And because their tongue is prehensile, meaning it can go grasp stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They they are able to kind of circumnavigate like the thorns that are part of acacia trees and mimosa trees um, and just kind of pluck these great leaves without getting um, stuck by the thorns. Yeah. And their lips are also prehensile too, so it's like, on their face, around their mouth, they have two hands yeah. that are just going to town, <laughs> s- sorting through through these trees and um, and eating the leaves off of them. Yeah, I think that's why when you see a giraffe, they're so they have so much personality. It's because that mouth. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Also, those eyelashes are not hurting things at all. No. <laughs> it's very very expressive. Yeah. Uh, so for their size, they eat hundreds of pounds of leaves a week, which you think like, man, that's a lot of leaves. But for their size, they have a, uh, that's not a lot of food. They have a very efficient, uh, internal system. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they can live on as little as 15 pounds of foliage per day, which isn't a lot of food for an animal that can weigh up to 1500 pounds. Right. Yeah. It's like seven kilograms for our Canadian friends that's or right. the, the rest of the world, except for <laughs> Liberia. Uh, what's the deal with the cud? So they're ruminants, right? Like a cow. Um, and that means that they, eat their their leaves or flowers or whatever they're eating, and then uh, it passes through four different chambers of their stomach, and then it comes all the way back up through their stomach, mm-hmm. all the way back up their neck into their mouth. Basically, they throw up the leaves that have now been turned into cud, and then they chew on that some more and then swallow it again. Uh, that makes them a ruminant. That's and right. actually, I believe it makes them um, kosher as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw that somewhere. Huh. It does not mean that you should go eat giraffes, though. No. Oh, what's wrong with people? Uh, and then finally, they're, they're 
wonderful adaptation uh, that I think is one of the best is um, because they're out there in the dry sub-Saharan Africa, there's not a ton of water around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly a giraffe uh, leaning down and drinking water is could be very vulnerable, especially to a crocodile. Mm-hmm. They can go uh, weeks at a time without drinking, and they get most of their water and the moisture that they need to survive from those plants that they're eating. Yeah, it's pretty astounding. Amazing. So um, because they're doing all of this uh, – this eating of treetops and all of that, and not just the treetops, but just about anywhere on the tree, they'll, they'll eat from it. They're actually doing a lot of other things too. Um, and usually herbivores, you know, they, they play some pretty good role in, in their ecosystem, but giraffes seem to be like really integral to their ecosystems as well, just because of their really long neck and they're reaching places that other animals can't reach. So they have um, a big impact on the ecosystem as far as keeping it like healthy and, and running smoothly, basically. Yeah, it's kind of like bringing a, a wildlife management pruning system in there. Right. Uh, that's, you know, 15, 18 feet tall. And while they're eating, they are distributing seeds all over the place. Pooping. Yeah, pooping out those seeds mm-hmm. uh, so they can serve as uh, pollinators even. Yeah. Pretty amazing. The little acacia tree seeds go, thanks a lot for the ride. <laughs> uh, that's right. As far as their conservation status, uh, they're not endangered, which is good news. Yeah, but th- are they not? I mean, just think about this. I know. Over the past 15 years, they've declined by 40% to um, – Around 80,000 from 140,000, which is a troubling number to me for sure. I just don't know exactly what it takes to become endangered. I don't either. But, but most of that, um, that loss of the giraffes, 15 years, they, they lost maybe 60,000 out of 140,000 giraffes are, are gone now. Yeah. Mostly due to poachers. Boo. Or, uh, yeah, boo. Maybe boos of all boos go to the poachers. Yeah. Um, and then their, uh, their ecosystem, their habitat is, is being lost because trees are being cut down for everything from developments to, um, cropland. Boo again. And if they don't have their, well, we, we kind of do need cropland, but yes, agreed. There's, it, when it affects giraffes like that, boo. Um, but even beyond that, apparently the giraffe's tail is used for all sorts of stupid stuff. They, uh, frankly, you don't need to kill a giraffe for. You can just, if you really need the tail hair, just cut the tail off. You know? Like, if you're going to do that, at least don't kill the giraffe first. Maybe sedate it and surgically remove it or something, but jeez. Yeah, I I wouldn't even go that far. (laughs) Well, sure, right. Just don't don't remove the tail. Yeah, you can make a fly whisk or a bracelet out of uh, something else. Exactly, as but that's, that's what they use them for, bracelets and fly whisks. Uh, and because of all this bad stuff, uh, Mika, you will be glad to know that June 21st has been declared World Giraffe Day. It is the longest day of the year, and they have awarded that day to the tallest animal. So now there are there's a lot of awareness going on and efforts underway and a lot more studying than has ever been done before uh, to help preserve the future success of the giraffe. Yep. Thankfully. Yeah. Oh, and I also want to go on record. Yes, we realize that flies spread disease uh, in Africa, 
and that fly whisks are actually pretty valuable. Oh, yeah. Like Chuck said, you can make fly whisks out of other stuff, and maybe it's incumbent upon uh, some of us here in the West to make sure that the people who need the fly whisks in Africa get the synthetic ones so that the giraffes are left out of the loop there. How about that? I think that sounds great. So uh, you got anything else right now? I have nothing else. All right. Well, there's giraffes. Mika, thanks for the idea. Uh, and uh, since I said uh, thanks, it's time for Chuck. Yes, that is correct. Administrative details. Okay, everyone, administrative details. If you are new to the show, it is a segment wherein we thank uh, listeners for the really neat, wonderful things that they send us. That's one of the great things about doing what we do is people are kind-hearted and loving and will send us uh, send us stuff. Agreed. So let's start, Chuck. All right. First on the list, because we forgot him last time, our old buddy Greg Storkin, who came to see us in Denver, Colorado, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, and he sent us some whiskey. And Greg, uh, you are one of our... Our longtime listeners, and man, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sticking with us and for the whiskey. Yes, and Chuck, there's another one that, um, yeah, thank you, Greg. There's another one we missed uh, last time, too. Lucas uh, and the rest of the crew from Penelope, which is a charming restaurant at Lexington and 30th in Manhattan. They sent us a wonderful care package of uh, stuff from Penelope. So thank you, guys, finally at long last for that. That's right. And speaking of whiskey, might as well go ahead and shout out our buddies from the Greatest Generation podcast, mm-hmm. Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. Uh, if you don't listen to that show, it's really good. If you're a Star Trek Next Generation fan, or even if you're not, that's the best thing going for you. Yep. Uh, and they sent us some, what was it, Woodhouse Whiskey from Brooklyn? Yeah, it was good stuff. Oh, did you already dive into that? Oh, it's, it's long gone. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. How about uh, Tim Lazaroff sent us a bunch of Wegmans organic ketchup? Thanks a lot, Tim. He also uh, he also griped on email that we hadn't thanked him. So, Tim, hold your horses. <laughs> uh, Tessie's Old Oddities. Uh, they sent us uh, toddler gifts and dog gifts, which we always appreciate. Yeah. Little, little bat costumes and dolls. For bat conservation. Yes. It's very, it, very cute. I put it in uh, my daughter's room and she loved it. Yes, thank you for that. And Milo um, got a costume, right? Yes, she did. She looks adorable in it, too. <laughs> I need to post a picture of it to tell you the truth. Totally. Um, but I'm afraid that somebody will kidnap her. Well, yeah, then don't do that. <laughs> so uh, there's, I have a correction also from last time. We thanked Matt Drager for sending his homebrew beer. But he, we hadn't tried it yet. It, remember, it turned out to be Kahlua. He made homemade Kahlua. What? Yeah. Don't you remember? It's amazing. I don't remember that. I don't know if I had that. Oh, it's good. It's right. in that green bottle that Jonathan Strickland's face is on. <laughs> uh, Sarah Lopez, big thanks. Uh, she sent from Scandalous Scarves, uh, sent scarves for our wives after we made fun of Infinity Scarves on our live show. <laughs> right? Yeah, with somebody wearing an infinity scarf right there. <laughs> well, well. It, was, it was uncomfortable. Um, thanks a million to Christina who gave us freestyle embroidered sampler portraits of us at the Chicago show. You remember? Yes. They were amazing. Uh, Shot Tower Gin. We, we love our gifts of spirits. Oh, yes. So Shot Tower Gin, uh, I cannot remember the person. And I feel terrible about that. But big shout out to Shot Tower Gin. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Do write in and let us know so we can thank you a second time. Uh, thanks to Robin at Mother Dirt for sending us all the great skincare stuff. is much appreciated and, and well received. Thank to Ben, and I could not read the spelling. It's either Clerk or Cloak. <laughs> he sent us a very cool and solvable, very key for a maze, a stuff you should know maze. And uh, I've never tried to design a maze, so it was pretty neat seeing that. Yep. Um, let's see. Cody Deet sent us a copy of his book, Spheria. And also, while I'm on it, uh, John M. Hamilton sent us a copy of his book, A Hell Called Ohio. <laughs> he thought I would appreciate that in particular. Uh, Argentina Coy invited us to her wedding to Dustin Nottage. So uh, we could not come, but we always appreciate wedding invites. Yes. Um, Daria from Happy Socks in Sweden. I had no idea that Happy Socks was out of Sweden, but they, uh, she sent us a bunch of Happy Socks, appropriately enough, and, and they're awesome. Yeah, you love your Happy Socks. Yes, I do. Uh, Mr. Jack Ramsey sent us his uh, graphic novel called Skit City, and this thing is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, look up Skit City online, S-K-I-T City, uh, and it's really, really great. Yep, uh, and Brigitte for the cutout drawing of me with my Lovecraft book. I love that. That was very cool. Yep. Uh, who else do we have here? Um, now, I thought it would be Rebecca, but I swear it was an N. So I'm going with Renica Morshell sent us her young adult time travel novel, The Mender. Nice. M-E-N-D-E-R. Check that out. Yep. And uh, you want to save the rest for the next episode? Yeah, we're going to continue this with a part two. How about that? All right, let's do it. So in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast or Josh M. Clark. Hang out with us on Facebook at Charles W. Chuck Bryant or Stuff You Should Know. Uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, hang out with us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 